This is KUT 90.5. I'm Nathan Bernier. If Texas were a country, it would have the fifth highest incarceration rate in the world. More than one of every 1,000 residents in Texas is in prison or jail. That's more than the United States as a whole. The U.S. has the highest incarceration rate of any country in the world, higher than second place Cuba, third place Rwanda, and the Russian Federation, which has the fourth highest incarceration rate, according to the nonprofit, nonpartisan Prison Policy Initiative. As you can imagine, keeping all those people behind bars costs a lot of money. States and the federal government have contracted out a lot of that work to private prisons. How have those businesses fared in the first year of the Trump administration, which has vowed a crackdown on crime and illegal immigration? Lauren Brookison is a senior counsel at the Brennan Center's Justice Program at NYU School of Law, and she's the author of Inside Private Prisons, An American Dilemma in the Age of Mass Incarceration. Lauren Brook, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me today. You write in the book how uh, at the end of the Obama administration, they were trying to wind down a little bit some of the use of private prisons. But that changed when Donald Trump was elected president. What happened? It did. And about 18 months ago, it looked like the Obama administration was going to put the private prison industry out of business. Today, the Trump administration has really been a godsend for the industry, despite Republican support for across-the-board budget cuts, the Trump fiscal year 2018 budget calls for an additional $1.2 billion in new spending to increase immigration detention capacity. And that's important because about 65% of immigration detention beds are managed and owned by the private prison corporations. How big is the private prison industry in Texas? So the private prison industry certainly has a very large footprint in Texas. There are a lot of immigration detention centers in Texas that are owned and managed by these private prison corporations. And specifically, this corridor of detention in South Texas, from the border all the way up towards Austin, there are a number of immigration detention facilities. And most of these are owned and managed by the private prison companies themselves. There's even a family immigration detention center in Dilly, Texas, that's owned and managed by CoreCivic. And additionally, the Trump administration has recently posted requests for information, which are really these pre-proposal requests. And they're looking for more detention capacity along the southern border in Texas. And so the writing is on the wall that there will probably be more private prison immigration detention centers in South Texas than we even have today. Are private prisons run more effectively, more efficiently than than government-run prisons? That's a question that the book examines. And for the research for the book, I spent time in private prisons and private immigration detention centers. And when you walk around these uh, private prisons, they don't really feel that different from a regular prison. But the differences are more subtle. You know, a lot of people may not realize that the private prison industry tends to negotiate their contracts so that they can house an incarcerated population that is cheaper. So people with less medical needs, less mental health needs, less drug treatment needs. For a long period of time, they tended to not take anyone who was HIV positive. And that's because those incarcerated people are so expensive to house and take care of. So it is hard to compare the differences between private and public facilities, but a really big difference is the accountability and transparency. Private prisons are not subject to the same accountability and transparency that government prisons are. And at the federal level, the private prison industry is not subject to FOIA, the Federal 
Information Request Act. And at the state level, most states do not require the private prison companies to comply with the same open records requests that the government prisons are required to comply with. And that's really important and something that as we start to rely on the private prison industry more and more under the Trump administration, we really need to be very vigilant about and try to change laws and practices. But to be clear, you're not blaming the private prison industry for the high incarceration rate in America, are you? We would have had mass incarceration with or without the private prison industry. Again, we have about 1.5 million people behind bars in state and federal prison, about 700,000 in jails. That doesn't even include the 12 million people who churn in and out of jails. Some of them are the same people who keep you know, getting caught up in the system. We are an incredibly punitive nation. We incarcerate more people and for longer periods of time than in almost any country on this planet. The entire prison industrial complex, all of the corporations, whether they're telecommunications corporations, you know, video visitation corporations, all of the companies that make money off of people behind bars or people who are trapped in the justice system certainly have an incentive to keep prison populations high. Lauren Brooke Eisen is a senior counsel at the Brennan Center's Justice Program at NYU School of Law and author of Inside Private Prisons, An American Dilemma in the Age of Mass Incarceration. Lauren Brooke, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. 